Hello and welcome. I'm Alan Hargraves and this is Recharge on Air. This week I'd like to talk about incentive schemes. They're in the news quite a bit lately. And I've, ha- I've handed out quite a few bonuses myself in my time. Some years our results were spectacular. Other times poor, but perhaps went up and down accordingly. I can only remember two people opening the envelope and saying thank you with a big smile. Both cases were in poor years. It never seemed to happen in a good one. Perhaps that's a function of good times. Bull markets are defined by optimism. Expectations climb beyond reality. Ask how much is enough and the answer is, inevitably, just a little bit more, please. So do incentives work? Well, not always. After a lot of research, here are some things we now know. At the team level, incentives can crowd out creative thinking. Research shows those paid an incentive to solve a problem perform worse than those who receive no reward. The focus on financial return takes attention off more creative solutions. Incentives work okay for process jobs, but they can be counterproductive when cognitive input is required. At the firm level, incentive schemes are known to replace productive cooperation with damaging competition. The main concern of most bonus recipients is how much they got compared to someone else. The focus is rarely on the value of their own performance or that of their team, the firm or any other stakeholders for that matter. And at the macro level, incentives encourage people to transfer risk further down the line. They've done the job, they've been paid. What happens after that is someone else's problem. The risk, however, remains. Take mortgage bonds. Now that's been a massive game of pass the parcel. Everyone took a cut. The estate agent sold the house, picked up a commission and moved the risk to the mortgage provider. The banks rolled the mortgages into bonds. They sold them on after paying a ratings agency to value them, passing the risk to investors, some of whom insured the bonds, passing the risk to insurance companies who charged a premium and then used reinsurance to spread the risk to other parties. It was incentives and commissions that drove this. It wasn't creative. It was like process work. Forget the product, look at the volume. The more you do, the bigger the bonus. No surprise, it ran amok. The volume of bonds rose dramatically and their quality fell. The risk never went away, it was just moved on. And when the music stopped, the taxpayer was left holding the parcel. So, where do incentives fit into all this? Well, let's look at those three levels. At the team level, Motivation is often more about achieving solutions. Individuals take pride in being part of a successful team. If remuneration must be an issue, avoid individual rewards. Tailor a bonus pool for the group. Base it on the impact of the result and the performance of the firm overall. Ask the team how they might allocate it amongst themselves. At the firm level, reflect the long-term values and strategy of the firm, not this quarter's bottom line. Make any incentives inclusive, avoid us and them, and manage expectations. Make it clear that all stakeholders, not just employees, need to get a result. And don't pay out if you are still at risk. Even a sales bonus needs to be paid on the basis of money received, not on orders taken. And lastly, at the macro level, the rules of engagement should acknowledge systemic risk and its cost to both the firm and the community. When your counterparties fail... They may take you down with them. Get a reputation for quality products. They're lower risk and they underwrite sustainable business practices. In short, for a quality incentive scheme, 
tie the rewards to the quality of the job done and the contribution to the overall well-being of the firm, not just to the volume of business being done. I'm Alan Hargraves. This has been a Recharge on Air. Thank you for listening.